You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. talking about Peter Gabriel, Peter Gabriel, or Melt. In the room, I have Anne. Hey. On the line, I have Rob. Oh, Biko. Uh, ben. Biko, Biko. John. I know. And Kyle. Oh, I don't know. Hey, dudes. <laughs> Peter Gabriel is the third eponymous solo studio album by the English rock musician Peter Gabriel, released on the 30th of May 1980 by Charisma Records. The producer was Steve Lillywhite, and the genre is art rock, progressive pop, post-punk, and post-progressive. I'm going to read from the book Louise Sugru. With the psychedelic musings of Genesis and self-conscious eccentricities of albums one and two behind him, the 29-year-old prog rocker emerges as an avant-garde solo artist and the mold of Bowie and Eno. Based in his own studio and aided by his friends, including Phil Collins, Robert Fripp, and David Rhodes, Gabriel finally felt free to play with his perennial enthusiasms, world music, and technology. Notably, the Fairlight, CMI, and Drum Machine. Alongside the more traditional guitar thrashing on and through the wire, Gabriel includes a mix of eerie and ambient sounds never heard before on a rock album. The gated snares on Intruder or the sampling of South African chants on the rousing beatbox anthem Biko. Constantly edgy and impassioned, Melt is a perfectly produced collage of warped sonic landscapes befitting Gabriel's sparse insular lyrics of alienation, paranoia, and identity. Indeed, so astonished was Melt that the United States Atlantic dumped Gabriel after executives failed to persuade him to, quote, make it sound like the Doobie Brothers, a decision they came to regret after Mercury told it uh, took it on and it sold 250,000 copies. In Britain, the album hit number one, and the single Games Without Frontiers featuring Kate Bush on backing vocals reached number four, Gabriel's highest UK singles placement up into that point. All right, what do we think of Peter Gabriel? Peter Gabriel. Sounds Love it. Doobie Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so obviously I'm just going to I'm, I'm gonna say this is Peter Gabriel 3, or the 1980. Uh, Peter Gabriel, a.k.a. Melt. Dude just likes to call his, doesn't like to name his albums. So we have three in a row that are just called Peter Gabriel. Um, but this 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 album, uh, I had this on cassette in my car for a long time. I'm very familiar with it. I love it. It's it paranoid and menacing and weird. And uh, it's got a great weird alien sound. The guitars sound kind of like uh, David Bowie, like Berlin trilogy guitars. They're all sharp and angular and gated reverb drums. Um, but yeah, I love, I love this record. Was this anybody's Thanks first time with this record? 
This, this is my first time. It, it, it yeah. was mine. Yeah, okay. My first time too. Wow. Makes sense if the guitars remind you of Berlin David Bowie because that was Fripp too, right? Yes, it Fripp. was. Yeah, well, he, yeah. Fripp's is only on a couple of these tracks, though. That's true. Mm-hmm. He was very inspired, though. Oh, oh for yeah. sure. Um, uh, yeah, first listen to this album. I don't even know if I knew the hits before this. Sounded vaguely familiar, but uh, uh, I think that this is my first time for every song on this. This album's really cool. Uh, Games Without Frontiers? You never heard that song? That's, That's part, like parts I of it. Heard, yeah. Parts of it sounded really familiar, but uh, I think if I heard it, I knew I heard it in passing. Like I wasn't that familiar with it. That's okay. That's why I picked it up as a as a youngster. Um, I love games without frontiers. Uh, mm-hmm. I love that we are now in the music video age that I can just look up music videos for these songs and just see Peter Gabriel acting really weird, which is always fun. Apparently the music video for that was like heavily redacted and changed though, right? Oh, yeah. The, the BBC was none too pleased with what he was putting out. <laughs> his like, his summary of it was like, they must they must have a much more active imagination than I do because I didn't understand what was wrong with it. <laughs> what didn't, I, I watched the video. What didn't they like I about think it? There was, they were interpreting it as kind of like a pedophilic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and well, that oh, kind of... Yeah. That's on them. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and that's a, that's kind of a, I don't know. Yeah. Because there's kids sitting at a dinner table? Well, and there's a part with little dolls that he's like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that song is... I didn't see it, so I don't. I cannot speak to it. So that song is uh, based on a game show, a UK game show uh, called It's a Knockout, which was mm-hmm. previously a Pan-American game show called... Pan-European, right? No, I think it's Pan American, yeah. Pan European. Oh, is it? Okay, yeah, European, European country. Because yeah. the, the titles in Jason Frontiers. Yeah, well, so like the Kate Bush, uh, the 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 lyric that sounds like she's so funky, yeah, is actually Je <laughs> sans frontier. Yeah, <laughs> it's the title of the French uh, uh, game show or, or Pan Pan European game show. Yeah, is this is our first Kate Bush like sighting, right? I don't think she's popped up on anything I, before the record, uh, at least in, in our, in the book. Like, I don't think we're actually going to get to Kate Bush until like mid eighties. Yeah, that's fine. But th- th- this is our first, uh, this is our first sighting. Uh, I was very excited to hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. She's on uh, no self control uh, with background vocals and yeah. Games without frontiers. Mm-hmm. She adds a lot to no self control is a yep. banger. <laughs> Like the Fripp guitars yep. and yeah, it uh, was it Morris Pert on the marimba? <laughs> like, man, it's so like anxious and frantic. I, oh man, I love it. It's I think nuts. That one is based on a Steve Wright composition. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Music for eighteen. Yeah. Ben, you probably hear Musicians. some uh, Moon Dog on this one too. Oh yeah, yeah. With that, with, with that xylophone or marimba. Yep. I thought it really took me into that like Moondog rhythm element uh, mm-hmm. of the, the what uh, he he's doing within this album. It's 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 really cool. I learned more American history this week when I started just going down rabbit holes reading about the song "Family Snapshot." Did anyone else do that yes. as, as well? About uh, the assassination attempt. Yeah, Arthur Bremer's assassination yeah. attempt on, on George Wallace, and then the 
like his diary, which he kept during that time, which was later published, which Peter Gabriel got a hold of and was kind of inspired to write the story of an assassination from the assassin's perspective. It's a haunting song. Oh, it's a it's a beast. That song is a beast. See, I didn't. To me, the song was kind of cloying, and I felt like. Oh yeah. It's. It frustrated me in that it felt like it was really like aggrandizing his mission in a certain way that like I feel is like very on point with everybody being obsessed with the Joker these days and shit. But like is not something that like spoke to how I like feel about the world, maybe. Um, And like because it is it's just very like it's so smoothed out and like it's very epic and sort of celebratory in a lot of ways. And like I you know, I mean, George Wallace is a piece of shit, but like assassinating someone to get famous is also really shitty. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, also very American, it seems. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely American. <laughs> I didn't look up anything about Family Snapshot. The uh, only thing I wrote down next to it was cowbell exclamation point. So I think I think that might be on through, on through the wires, the cowbell. Yeah. Neatly summarized. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. But I did yeah. also write cowbell exclamation point, exclamation point. <laughs> nice. Uh, I wrote nice use of seven next to uh, the wire. So. <laughs> yeah. Two. Family Snapshot was also the, that book, uh, An Assassin's Diary, was also the inspiration for uh, Taxi Driver, which came mm-hmm. out. Which I love, as, Taxi as, Driver. Essentially <laughs> the same year. So just to break it down real quick, uh, Arthur Bremer is a person that was, you know, he's likely struggling from mental illness and he, his plan is to kill a, an important figure to be famous. He wants to do Nixon, doesn't have the opportunity. George Wallace is the second target. He carries it out, gets the shot off, wounds, cripples, paralyzes George Wallace, effectively ends his political career. Uh, but does not get the fame that he was, he was craving to have a name like Lee Harvey Oswald or John Wilkes Booth. Uh, but, but yeah, so his, his diary was published. His diary inspires taxi driver, which then inspires John Hinckley jr. To attempt to assassinate Reagan. It's a Devo. That's what I was talking about. It's. Oh yeah. I desire. That's a great song. Art imitates life. Imitates I desire. Art imitates life. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, we just listened to Start. Did anybody recognize that saxophone player? His yes. name is Dick Morrissey. <laughs> His name yeah. is Dick Morrissey? Yep. What did you say? Wait, he played uh, He played saxophone on the Blade Runner soundtrack, right? Absolutely ah. did. He played the love theme. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very, wow. yeah, it's a very saxophony saxophone. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely is. Thought that was great. There's also there's so many elements on this album too. I, I, I was never. I'm never a. I never was seeking out Peter Gabriel uh, or Phil Collins for that matter. Um, But this album definitely it it hits all the right notes and being primed with having you know Eno Bowie and in that mindset. um, It really sort of opened my eyes to what Gabriel was doing at this time. And this one's a lot darker. It's menacing. It has that like edge to it. Intruder started kicking things off. I mean, it sounds like a nine inch nail song with the perch. I was going to say it sounds like a nine inch. Yeah. Drums. (laughs) 
<laughs> Prove it with the notes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's and that's the thing that I do like about this album is how dark it is, how um, menacing and ominous a lot of what's going on feels. Yeah. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's it's like interesting. They're really he's really going for it all the time. Like, this is not trying to be easy in any respect, right? Like, it's trying to challenge the listener, which is cool. Look at him right. kicked out of Genesis. <laughs> I was gonna say, does anybody know where those gated the idea for those gated drums came from? Um, three people I claim thought- it. Yeah, it's controversial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peter Gabriel, Phil Collins, and Steve Lillywhite all claim it as their idea. But it, isn't it? Doesn't it really all come down to the fact that Peter Gabriel said no symbols, so they tried. They were they were working on like a way to make the drums kind of pop. It does, but there's a there's another aspect to that, which is there was a natural gate um, on the talkback mics when you're in the studio and you're talking to the uh, recording engineers. There's a natural gate that happens with that, and someone was uh, they, they were tuning their drums, and they heard the the natural gate that was happening on that talkback mic, and they thought it sounded so cool that they they rigged up the board to actually uh, record the drums through that sort of talkback channel um, huh. so they could get that gated sound. Well, if that story is to be believed, it probably wasn't Phil Collins that invented it because he was probably the guy tuning the drums. <laughs> he, yeah. So <laughs> saying Phil Collins is a liar. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could you could credit him, though, as, as being part of it. I mean... Well, he's the one playing the drums. Everyone's in the room at the same time, so... Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure it was collaborative peter gabriel definitely he it was his idea to put limitations on on his percussionists uh, uh to, so they would like grow elsewhere which i think is always a cool idea um, the mm-hmm. limitation on this one is no symbols so yeah peter gabriel gets credit for that and who knows who it was who who it was that thought of the idea of putting gates on him probably steve lillywhite but uh yeah, yeah everyone's in the room i mean but yeah. the, that drum sound is what is 80s genesis from there yep. on in it, and, and all of phil collins solo stuff it's awesome that's, it's like oh yeah the air it, tonight. Like, yeah. It, yeah not even just genesis it's, it's just like 80s drums like when you think of like 80s drums you're you're thinking of we're well, thinking of a lot of genesis hits definitely Does anyone want to explain the the gate, what that means for drums? I don't know what it means, so no, I don't want okay. to. <laughs> so basically a, a gate allows, um, there's a natural decay um, of sound or, or uh, you know, sound doesn't just cut off um, when it goes into a recording device. So when you hit a cymbal, when you hit a, I guess you wouldn't be hitting cymbals on this album. When you hit a snare, or a tom, there is a, you know, a five to 10 seconds that 
you, you hear the decay of the actual sound um, getting softer and softer and softer. The gate actually, once it gets be- below a certain uh, volume, it will just gate it and cut off that sound to zero. So it, it produces this unnatural sound um, that doesn't sound live at all. It sounds like a computer almost where, you know, you hit that drum and it's, and then it goes down to zero unnaturally. I just learned what gate means. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) There was also some other, uh, interesting things they were doing. That's a fucking cowbell right there. (laughs) Tell me the cowbell's not on this fucking song. You liar. Yeah. Oh, yep. There it is. Oh, there it is. All right. All right. Absolutely. That's some cowbell. That's cowboy. Assassination cowbell. Yeah. Assassination saxophone. <laughs> that's a different track. Oh. <laughs> so, sorry for interrupting. I, I like, knew that the cowbell was on here. That's okay. Uh, they they had this uh, uh, ten dollars speaker from Radio Shack. They called it the nine ninety five speaker because they bought it for nine ninety five. And that's the blown out sound that you hear on some of these tracks. They they used to they mic'd it for a lot of different things. But w- anytime you hear this, what sounds like a little speaker, just, you know, distorted, distorted sound. That's what they're miking. It's a it's amazing. It's a cool sound. The old nine nine five. It sounds huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. So, Birch, when you were reading the uh, the your, your intro, they, he's using a fair light on this. That's correct. C- fair- CMI. Yeah, man, that God, what was that? Like a hundred thousand dollars of like sampling equipment at that like Yeah, ungodly expensive. Insanely expensive. So so when you say sampling, Rob, is the Fairlight CMI the first one to do sampling and can you sort of say what sampling is? I don't know if it was the first sampler. It was the first sampler that had like the um interface. It, yeah, it had like a light pen, so you could like edit on a uh, on a screen. Um, it was like just a computer screen. But yeah, God, that's crazy. Because like I'm I'm sitting here in my my stupid basement uh, next to an Insonic Mirage, and that came out in 1984, and it cost three thousand dollars. Like it, 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 I'm I'm sitting next to the first of the. Uh, like affordable sampling options like that comes out four years later from whether the Fairlight and like just like because I, I think it may have just been Peter Gabriel and Michael Jackson that had access to one of those things like I don't know if anyone else bought one I'm sure Stevie like, Wonder did <laughs> yeah yeah you're right you're right you're right probably I'm sure well, and, and a, well, you could probably, probably rent had one, one too. right or like, yeah you can rent them spend some time with one even if you couldn't in the studio yeah Speaking of Devo, yeah, they, they definitely had one. Um, I, I saw interviews with them uh, in front of one. Um, the, like the floppy disks they were using, like were like the big, big ones. Like what you could do with it is it's just it's crazy how fast the technology like switched up, like and how cheap it got, how quickly. Um, a, a fair like I think Commodore sixty four has more like computing and sampling power than the Fairlight does. Yeah. Well, and a, and a sampler does yeah. what? It takes an auditory input and digitizes it. Yeah, yeah. So you're, um, so you can do your loops or whatever off of that. But is that like, how I, you do like the Cat Christmas songs? Like, yes, meow, 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 yes. Meow, meow, yeah. meow, a Fairlight can do that. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> they they, they cool. definitely can. Cool. Um, but 
the sampling space on it wouldn't have been more than like 10 seconds top side. Yeah. So we're listening to and through the wire right now. Uh, that's Paul Weller of the jam on guitar. Oh, sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah. I don't know the circumstances. Maybe you're just walking past. The no, they're, they're recording. <laughs> they're recording down the, in the same studio. Oh, cool. And they, uh, wait, wasn't this recorded at Peter Gabriel's like studio? Or is that not it? I, when I read that, I assumed it was like his house. Uh, he recorded, I think a lot of it there at his, his, uh, house slash studio. But I think this is, this one was actually, um, different location where the jam were also recording. Um, and this is also the one that was presented as the, the, you know, the single, Oh yeah, this is a very radio friendly and, situation. And the one that they they Wait, this is the single? They wanted to well that makes sense to me. They wanted to no sound more like the uh Doobie Brothers. <laughs> I mean this sounds like a song that you I'm would gonna laugh at that forever. <laughs> hear on the radio to me. Uh like, yeah. When I wrote down my it's like just straight ahead radio friendly. It did not become Yawn. the single. <laughs> no, Games Without Frontiers, then no self control. And and for the record, and through the wire is also loaded with cowbell, which I think also makes it radio friendly. But yeah, it just doesn't do it. <laughs> so. Cowbell is not a symbol, so it's welcome. <laughs> Games of the Frontiers is like a Q ninety five song. I swear that's where I first heard that yeah, song. Yeah, you're right. Like this is a banger. Oh no, I I mean I I enjoy that song, and like I definitely remember hearing it on the radio. I'm just saying my notes and through the wire feels pretty radio friendly to me. I don't. I can't think of Compared a song that is in seven that isn't money that is radio friendly. I think that there is another song aside from money in that the radio gods were like, "Oh yeah, let's do that." And and through the wire, like the entire verses, all seven. Okay. So, so yeah. we disagree. I don't know. <laughs> I'm drunk and i guess i disagree with you cool (laughs) for the record i thought it was boring but that it could be on the radio (laughs) i did not like that track but side two track one is games without frontiers right Mm -hmm. that's where you put the banger so yeah he knows what he's doing it follows the rule and it (laughs) we've now gotten to the to the moment where it's like oh that sounds like the 80s like this sounds like the 80s (laughs) Like, yeah, John, I think one of the first things I ever looked up on Google was uh, uh, the lyrics to this song. For uh, <laughs> I was like, what is that lyric? What is she singing? Yeah. What did you think she was saying? She's so, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, it sounds like a lot of things. Like, she's so popular. She's so funky. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, I think it was funky. Yeah. I think that's what I thought it was. Terrible lyric. Sounds like a red hot chili pepper lyric. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. Uh, I learned what it is to mishear uh, words or lyrics today. It's a montegrin or montegreen. Montegreen. Yeah. Yeah. So it's from green sleeves. Ah, uh, classic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that this is one of the famous uh, montegreen. What's the famous mishearing? Uh, she's so popular. She mm. is. Uh, what's what's more? So funky. So yeah. funky. So funky yeah. <laughs> um. There's other, you know, famous ones like. There's a bathroom on the right. 
yeah, bathroom on the right. Excuse, Excuse me, me while, while I, I kiss this guy. Kiss this guy. Yep. Kiss this is guy. the name of a book of those that I got when I was in junior high, and it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Classic Ben junior high gift. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man, there's some good ones in there. <laughs> Need to look through it again and see if there's any Peter Gabriel. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. This is this album really does define. I mean, it's 1980, and this is this is going to all of this is going to carry on into the 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 pop element, the new romantic era of the 80s with the uh, the synth and gated drums and uh, you know a lot of keyboards, a lot of uh, I don't know <laughs> drum machines. Everything. Is scary monsters coming up in this book, or is that? No, I don't think we get we, scary monsters. We don't get anything until what's dance? I think. No, we don't get we we have we, Wait, have we don't no get 80s let's Bowie. Dance? We don't get we, let's we get no eighties Bowie. Let's dance. Get that, that, that can't be true because there's more Bowie in this book than any other. There's artist. a lot of Bowie though. How much Bowie have we covered though? A lot, but there's a lot no, more. What's his biggest uh, album stateside? Yeah, I don't think we have any more Bowie until the 90s or 2000s. No, I think you're wrong. <gasps> on the Ooh. Ooh. I hope you're wrong. So I, like I got super hard. Uh, Ew. L- <laughs> Those are the words I wanted to use. Uh, the lead a normal life. Uh, a lot of Eno vibes on that. Uh, oh yeah, for that. sure. Movie yeah. done, mm-hmm. Bowie. Now nah, there's one more Bowie. No, no, I don't think so. We're Wolf. done with Bowie. We're done with Bowie. Yeah, we, we just leave him. In- I was going to say the album gave me big uh, scary monsters vibes. We just but, leave uh, him in Berlin and 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 and, and we're done. I mean, not yeah. not personally, but the book is done with him. The project is no longer... And, and so, like, update of the book, I think Black Star is in the newer versions, but we're not using I, that version. I think both Black Star and uh, Another Day are in it. with the uh, oh. redo done versions. Interesting. Yeah, well, dumb. We're getting Tin Machine, though, right? I wish. God, Tin Machine is great. Tin Machine never got Tin Machine. They did not get Tin Machine. Not get their due. They were not. No, they they were not. They were not judged at uh, at a fair scale. They were. Yeah, they were Ben. Yeah, they were Ben. No, they weren't. I remember being at a dollar store when I was twelve, and it was full of Tin Machine cassettes. And I said, "Not worth a dollar, bro." (laughs) If you watch their Saturday Night Live uh, stuff, it's awesome. They also cover a Sweet Mm. Rock the Music song. Uh, I don't. I I don't care what you have to say. I think that. Bowie having the are you talking about Peter Gabriel right now? Is awesome. Yeah, we need to. Sh- you know I'm not. Down. The rhythm you section for Tin Machine <laughs> is the rhythm section from Lust for Life, and they slap. And Peter Gabriel <laughs> listened to Lust for Life before he made the album. No, okay, well, now we're back on Peter. Gabriel. <laughs>
Gabriel wrote a really depressing song, um, and it is also the birth of the millennial whoop, I think. What the fuck is who, this? Who wants to talk about Biko? The whoop, the millennial whoop. Tell me about it, you millennial. <laughs> I think I'm a Gen Xer, but I don't. I, I can't tell. Ben, you, 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 you were the one talking about Biko. You. Yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I'd never heard the song before, and I wasn't familiar with with the with the uh, anti-apartheid activist uh, Steve Bilko, or Biko. I keep on saying Bilko, but it's Biko. Steve Milko. Uh, yeah, I I wish that I had had more time to read more into it, but uh, but yes, Steve Biko was uh, a South African. Uh, activist uh for a long time in the the 60s and 70s he was arrested for breaking his probation of like not leaving his town he he went to like a different town to talk to someone and got arrested and thrown in jail while in police custody he was like he was stripped naked shackled and beat for like over over a day at some point someone realizes that that like this man is very, very badly damaged. Uh, and we need to do something about this because he was like, he was like leaking spinal fluid into his blood or like something like that. Like it, it was like, he was like straight up broken. So they threw him naked into the back of a Land Rover and drove him 700 miles across South Africa to a hospital. He died in the hospital. Surprise, surprise. He, Steve Biko had, he'd never been convicted of a crime. Like he 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 he's like he's a political figure. He's not a criminal. And as many despicable things that the the folks in power during the apartheid did to the the people of South Africa, this was one of the things that actually started getting some international publicity. It, like more things should have gotten publicity, but uh, and and it caught Peter Gabriel's attention when he was reading about it in national news. <clears throat> so Peter Gabriel did his own in his own. 1980 deep dive on stuff. And he wrote the song Biko about Steve Biko. The samples at the beginning and the end of this and the end of that song are both from uh, the crowd of thousands singing at Steve Biko's funeral. That's where both of those samples are from with, with the amount of people that, that Peter Gabriel was able to reach that by Peter Gabriel albums it did even more to put the situation in South Africa in an international spotlight. Other artists were, were starting to do things too. Like uh, little Steven Van Zant had his like, uh, don't play sun city thing that he did. But, uh, and then the specials had free Nelson Mandela, but it was just all part of the same movement of, of musicians that are, are starting to cause the international spotlight to focus and, t- and, and pay attention to this. But yeah, well, like aside from that, it's a really cool song. I like the song just musically as well. Yeah, it's a really great but, uh, song. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's basically a eulogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he does it a lot of times as a closer to a lot of his shows. Um, and it was also featured in Cry Freedom, the movie uh, sort of adaptation about uh, Stephen uh, Biko. So yeah, it's uh, interesting. These songs have a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of variation here that he's he's picking up on and and uh, writing these different stories about different pe- people and 
his own identity and alienation and things like that. I was going to talk about the cover real quick. Uh, oh yeah. Let's. Uh, which is uh, created by hypnosis, the famous uh, album company that's done dark side of the moon and a lot of other famous uh, Genesis covers. It uses T-Rex, right. Yep. Mm-hmm. T-Rex. Our old pals, hypnosis. Uh, it uses a Polaroid from a SX 70, which is this old sort of land camera looking Polaroid, but they took hundreds of photos of him and then they manipulated it by, um, you can get a eraser from a pencil and kind of move around the, uh, the chemical elements in a Polaroid, uh, while it's developing photograph. Yeah. After it's taken. So he actually was there and they, uh, they all kind of mess with them and you can see a few other variations if you look at the singles, um, but yeah, they just picked the best one and it's a really cool cover. I mean, it has, it kind of looks like he's melting and, uh, great idea. It's a cool cover and the variations are cool too. I didn't know that the, I'd seen the cover so many times, but it wasn't until doing research for this, like looking up like the different singles, yeah, each one of the singles, except Biko, Biko's got a, a different cover, but each one of the singles is just, yeah, a different manipulated Polaroid of Peter Gabriel looking weird as fuck. And the guys at Hypno- Hypnosis uh, appreciated the fact that he was, it was, so yeah, yeah. Like he, he, he was way down with making himself look really weird. Like he was approaching it from a more artistic standpoint than a cosmetic standpoint. And uh, the, the people working with him were like, yeah, that's dope. Yeah. Speaking of we- weird, um, I did want to bring up too the producer for this, Steve Lillywhite, had worked with Susie and the Banshees and uh, some other XTC and some other, you know, up and coming uh, artists. And he went with Steve Lillywhite. Uh, his first one w- was with Bob Ezrin, as we know, big production, Oof. you know, run yeah. it, run it multiple times until we get it right. And then Robert Fripp was uh, the second producer who's a more cut and dry. If we don't get it in one or two takes, we're not going to get it at all. Uh, but he wanted someone, Steve Lillywhite to, to be there for a little more up for anything. Let's, you know, let's not do cymbals. Let's do gated drums. Let's, you know, throw in samples, uh, all these different elements. So I think that is Atlantic records. Yeah. That, that really, uh, that's that's something to me that makes me I'm more drawn in by that. Bob Ezrin's production we all know is big and bombastic, whereas I feel like this has a little more uh, grit to it. It's a little darker. It's a little uh, it has a little more of an edge than than the yep. polished production to it. So, so for me, it's a positive. I'm gonna say positive. That's positive. so brave of you. Birch. What do you think, Anne? Thumbs up? Uh, I think this is interesting. I think there are important things going on with music about it. I think it should be in the book, but it's not blowing my hair back. <laughs> I would revisit a couple of tracks, but not the whole album. So I'm a meh. <laughs> Neutral. What are you guys saying? Positive. Big thumbs up over here. Yeah, I, 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 I'd seen this album cover many times. It's really... Uh, noticeable album cover but never listened to it i've been looking forward to it ever since we've been covering prog genesis and other peter gabriel solo because i knew that this was a big popular one and I, I really liked all the peter gabriel stuff that we covered previously to this 
I like this weirdo. I like this weirdo that is not afraid to be so weird that he gets kicked off Atlantic. Uh, yeah. He's, he's following his weird and more power to him that uh, I think we need more artists like that in the world. So is that a positive? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, w- I would say it's more brave of him to get kicked off Atlantic if he couldn't afford a hundred thousand dollars sampler in the eighty. Like I think True. he was, he was doing <laughs> fine. Um, but no, I complete positive for me. Like this is, I think the, the fifth time I've listened to it as we've been uh, doing this, and yeah, man, like th- this is a this is a fucking rad record and very important for what comes next. So. Total positive for me. Uh, young, young, early 20s, Kyle. Shep lifted this room. Good. Smoked a lot of weed and listened to it in his car, and it's fantastic. And it's <laughs> <so> good. <laughs> Interesting choice, young Kyle. Uh, I mean, but, you know, different different snags for different five-finger discounts. So um, I'm, I'm not 100% on the positive side of it. Um, I'm definitely not trending, you know, below neutral. I really like a lot of it, but I agree that, you know, is there going to be a time when I throw it on and listen to it start to finish? Probably not, but I've, I've got to give it, I've got to give it a, a little bit less than full positive, but I like it a lot. Cool. All right. Next time we'll be talking about the soft boys underwater moonlight. All right. Thanks y'all. So nervous in the night And I don't know how to stop I don't know how